Hello, and welcome to the Soul Sister Movement Podcast, the show that helps you live your best midlife by helping you navigate this phase of life with joy, confidence, and fulfillment. Join us on an incredible journey of self-discovery and empowering stories with seasoned experts and inspiring women that will leave you feeling empowered, motivated, and ready to conquer the world. You deserve to live a fulfilled and joyful life. Let the Soul Sister Podcast be your guide on this amazing journey. Tune in today and let the Soul Sister Podcast inspire you to live your best mid-life. Hello and welcome to the Soul Sister Podcast. My name is Noni Banks and I am your host. Today we have Melissa Rolfs with us. She is a certified holistic health and life coach, helping women find freedom from the struggle with food. She is committed to empowering women to break free from dieting, emotional eating, and self-image issues so they can ditch the diet mentally and feel empowered in their own skin. She graduated from the Health Coach Institute as a holistic health and life coach in 2018 and is a proud owner of Free to Be Coaching. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Noni. So why don't we start out by you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself working in this space? Yeah, it was not something I ever envisioned for myself. Just so you know, I wanted to like go to college, be a broadcaster. My goal was to be the next Katie Couric. This was not on my radar, um, but God definitely had other plans. So I'm a wife. I'm a mom. We've got a 15-year-old daughter, a 13-year-old son. And as you said, I'm a holistic health and life coach, helping teen girls and women find freedom from the struggle with food, mainly from my own journey and my relationship with food through the years. And here I am. (laughs) Well, thank you for someone who, you know, I think... A lot of women, we all kind of struggle with this at some point in our life. So thank you for the work that you're doing. And I'm, I'm interested in, in learning more. So let's start off with what was your personal struggle with food? And after you kind of identified that, what were some of the root causes? Yeah, it's really, it's, it's complex, to be honest with you, because food is one of those things that we need in order to survive. It's not something where it's like, if people have an addiction to drugs or alcohol or smoking or even shopping, those things aren't necessary for survival, but food is. So I think food can be really tricky in that arena. So for me, when I was, you know, eight-year-old little girl hiding cookies and candies and sweets in my room to kind of handle the overwhelm that was happening in my life around me as a child, I didn't have the coping skills. So food was my go-to. It made me feel better. So that was the younger part of my life. And then, you know, you get into high school and you start to think about dating and relationships and having attention from boys. And so I went to the other end of the spectrum and I withheld food and then worked through that kind of not really, but coped, managed, went to college, got overwhelmed, started stuffing again. And really these patterns carried through getting married and having children. And so it was really after I had kids that I was like, hold on, something needs to change. And what was that breaking point? Can you kind of describe, was there a a moment where you said enough is enough that you knew you had to make a change? Was, what was that moment like for you? 
Yeah, it was a big moment, Noni. So we were, I was a new, newer mom. We had a two and a half year old daughter at the time. Our son was a newborn, not sleeping through the night. Our daughter had some undiagnosed food allergies and sensory processing disorder, unbeknownst to us. My husband was traveling for work. And if that wasn't enough, on top of that, I had just gotten diagnosed with PTSD from childhood trauma. So it was kind of the perfect storm for me to say, hold on. I don't like any of this. None of this is working. There has to be a different way. There has to be a better way. God, what do you have for me in this? And so seeking, you know, prayer and coaching and counsel and deliverance. I went to a naturopath and she tested my vitamin and mineral levels and discovered everything was not in a good place. And that was really the starting point for me to change my relationship with food. And so walk me through how you changed the relationship. I know that you said earlier that you identified some patterns that Mm -hmm. you had developed as a coping mechanism, but how do you actually change a relationship with food? What does that look like? I hear people say that all the time, but what does that really look like for you? Like when you first started and then now day to day? Yeah, I think it's such a great question. And for me, it was a really long and complicated journey, mainly because I did so much of it by myself. Um, And when I figured it out, I'm like, I need to go to school and help other people learn how to do this as well, because there has to be a shorter way. And so I think the main thing is to really get curious and ask yourself, you know, what is my relationship with food? It's not something we think about. It's not something we talk about. We just know that we're hungry and we think it's a physical hunger. So we eat or we know that it's noon. So it must be lunchtime. Like we don't ever stop to kind of analyze or ask questions like, what is our relationship with food? Do I eat when I'm hungry? Do I view food as a source of nourishment, as a source of energy, or do I use it only as an association with weight? Like, what is our relationship with food? And so I think it's really kind of evaluating that and then working through why do, why is that my relationship with food? For me, I used it to stuff, to comfort, to numb, to buffer, to avoid things. And so once I realized that it was like, okay, I need some different tools that will help me actually handle these things instead of stuffing. So I think it's really pausing and asking yourself those questions that we don't really talk about. (laughs) Right. And you know, we, you don't realize how the things that maybe you've heard growing up Mm -hmm. or you experienced at school, how that really affected your relationship with food and body image until you're like, you know, maybe I think I started to understand what the words and the images that I saw, how that really affected my relationship with food. Um, So how do you help, especially, so we do work with young girls too, Uh, well, middle school primarily, how do you help a mother, let's say, who's listening right now, who their aunt and and mom said, watch what you eat, don't eat too much, you're a young lady, you don't want to stuff yourself. How do you help them break those types of cycles or patterns in the words that they're saying to their daughters right now? Yeah, I think it's really teaching them how to connect to their bodies. Cause I think the root of it is that we're so disconnected from our bodies. We don't know how to listen to what our bodies are saying to us. We don't know what our bodies need because we live in this mentality and the society of one size fits all. And we've really kind of 
negated our bioindividuality and our uniqueness in that. And so it's really helping moms and teenage girls connect with what their bodies need, what the way that they're made, what their unique needs are. And so really doing that. And then, as you said, you know, kind of taking it a step further and making sure that what they're feeding their minds is enforcing that because we're inundated with images constantly, especially with social media as to what we quote unquote should look like or what we quote unquote should eat or what we should do. And really that's not necessarily the healthiest for us either. (laughs) Right. Right. And you know, one of the things that you, like I said, some things that kind of trigger those uh, memories, this Barbie movie that just came out, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And I was obsessed with Barbie, okay? Uh And got a lot of my cues, although I grew up in a a family with very strong women who were always telling me, you're beautiful. My dad did too. But Barbie did not look like me. Right. And I wanted to look like Barbie at one point and didn't realize how triggering this movie was for me to say, I don't have to look like that. But then all these women are dressing up like Barbie going to the movie. So, I mean, how can, like, how do you address, like when I'm sure that you're still triggered by some things, what are some techniques that you have learned over the years to identify the triggers and then to keep yourself at a place that is healthy for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the first step is acknowledging it, like noticing, okay, when I'm triggered, what what does that look like for me? How does that either show up in my thoughts? How does that show up in my body? What does that look like? So I think being aware of what the trigger looks like for you and what it is, and then you can decide what you want to do with it. So I love that you talked about the Barbie movie because the other thing, we just got back from vacation at the beach two weeks ago. And what I was thinking about there was I grew up reading those Sweet Valley High books. Did you read those? Yes. I forgot about those. Okay. So you got these twin girls and they live in Southern California and they're blonde and their mom is a stay-at-home mom and she's like a size six and she plays tennis. And I feel like in my mind that was what I needed to look like to be a good mom. And I still, to this day, I was thinking about that on the beach and I'm like, where does this come from? Like, I think it's just being aware and digging a little deeper and getting curious. Like, why do I believe that? Where did that message come from? Whether it was Barbie, whether it was Sweet Valley High, whatever that was for you. And just really kind of digging deeper and asking yourself, why do I believe that? And is that really the reality that I live in because a lot of times it's not. We've created this image in our head because of something we've read or seen or the Barbie that we played with and it's not even reality. Right. And I love that you keep saying curious. That is one of the themes that I have identified as I start this this new work with women over 40 and the fact that as we get older, we seem to be getting less and less curious about things. And that is so important to maintain. So that curiosity and exploring, especially at this stage of our lives, where it's like, we have got to stay curious. So I love that you keep saying that. I love that because I feel like replacing judgment with curiosity was really the game changer for me, Noni. Like it changed 
so much in how I viewed myself, how I viewed others, how I viewed the world, how I viewed food, because we're so quick to label and judge, you know, this is good, this is bad, this is healthy, this is not healthy, I should do this, I shouldn't do this, instead of just stopping and asking, what's best for me? Like, we, why do we have to label and judge everything? Right, right. I love that. Replacing curiosity with uh, replacing curiosity with the judgment. I love that. So, okay, let's talk about something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around <laughs> because I have not successfully done this yet. So you talk a lot about kicking the sugar habit. Okay. Mm-hmm. How did you do it? And what are the benefits, especially if we're perimenopausal, minim- in full blown menopause, <laughs> what are some of the benefits of kicking the sugar habit? And how do we do this? Yes, 100%. So if I was that eight-year-old little girl, my new who was hiding all the sweets in my room, if I found freedom from that, it's possible for anybody. I guarantee that. Um, but I think the benefits are energy, like you're going to have more energy. You're going to have better skin. Your body will have less inflammation, which will lead to overall less aches, less pains, less po- probability of disease. It helps your teeth, obviously. It helps your mood. It helps your mindset. It helps your hormones. Like there are so many benefits to not being addicted to sugar that it's just mind blowing because you don't realize the effect that it has on the body and on the stress. Like we think of it as a weight management tool possibly, but there's so much more to it than that. So I think those are the benefits. It also helps your immune system. Um, but I think too, how to do it. I think it's, again, it's stepping back and getting curious. What is my relationship like with sugar? When am I going for it? Is it something that I'm doing out of habit? Is it something I'm reaching for when I'm stressed? Is it a need of something more that I have in my life? A lot of times we'll have a craving noni and we'll acknowledge it as a craving and we'll think it's a hunger craving, but it might actually be a craving for more sleep or more alone time or more people interaction. So really, if we can view the craving as a messenger and understand what the message is, that can be really powerful because there's a reason we're going for the sugar. I think it's just finding out what that is. Okay. That makes sense. I never thought about it like that though. For sure. Because for me, it was to make me feel better. So it was like, okay, if I'm going to this when I'm not feeling good. We're looking for something, right? I was looking for energy or I was looking to feel good. Well, what can, what else can I do to feel good? Cause sugar is not the answer. It's a very short term, short sighted solution. That's not really a solution. <laughs> right. So what do you, how do you start? So let's say, do we just start by cleaning out our pantry? Do we start by looking in the fridge? Like, do we do an audit? Like if someone is wanting to completely kick the sugar habit, mm-hmm. what, where, do they start? I think the first really simple starting point would be to just look at the labels on your food because a lot of times sugar is really sneaky and it hides in places we wouldn't suspect like ketchup. So I think the first thing is to really be a detective and look at the labels and understand where sugar might be sneaking in unknowingly because sugar is addictive. It's nine times more addictive than cocaine. And so if we're trying to kick something and we're unaware that it's creeping in, we might be sabotaging ourselves unknowingly. So what are what are some of these sneaky words that mm-hmm. hide sugar? <laughs> yeah, anything with syrup, like the tapioca syrup, the brown sugar syrup, the 
um, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup, like anything with syrup is a sugar. Um, obviously, it will show up as sugar. It will be cane sugar or um, brown sugar or coconut sugar or <laughs> there are so many words for it. But I think also um, I heard anything ending in OSE like dextrose, maltose, that's also a sugar as well. Oh, interesting. I have a list, if it would help, that I can send your listeners that list all the names for sugar. Oh, for sure. That that I did not realize how much, like even so for me, because I was dealing with a health issue where sodium, I needed to really wash my sodium. And I didn't realize how much sodium was in everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm at the Whole Foods, like looking and I'm, you know, and I'm like, what is happening here? So looking at the labels is, is very important. I learned over the years. So for totally, sure. totally. And I think too, the other thing, you know, if, if you were a child of me from the nineties and we all grew up with the Snackwell craze and the Olester craze, we have the mindset that fat is bad. Fat is actually good. We need fat because when food manufacturers take the fat out of foods, they're replacing it with sugar. So I'm not a fan of fat-free or low-fat for that reason. Really? Really. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, so what about these diet sodas? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. And that's another, excuse me. That's another way we've been misled, right? Like it's diet, so we think it's healthy, so we think it's good. No, because the artificial sweeteners are just as bad, if not worse. Okay. That's, you know, I'm not a soda drinker. For what I eat and how much water I consume, I probably should be way more healthy than I am. <laughs> but I mean, so I, I, for me, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm not really addicted to sugar. But if you take it out of some of the products that I consume, like maybe salad dressing, you know, I, I'm consuming more than I think. Most of us are. I mean, because it's just hidden. That's what's disturbing is that we are really trying to do well and be mindful and it's sneaking in regardless. Right. Well, thank you for that. Um, So (laughs) I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Um, So talk to me about how your faith has played a role in your journey and continues to play a role as you Um, travel along this wellness journey? Yeah, I think it's everything. I think it's foundational. I remember when I got that PTSD diagnosis, I was like, okay, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? Like, what, what does this mean? What do I do? I know that your word says that you are a redeemer, that you are a healer, that like you bring beauty from ashes. I need to see how you do this. Sorry, I've got a tickle in my throat. So it was constant prayer there, but through that, he led me to our healing prayer rooms at church. And I remember going for prayer and having people pray over me. And I just felt stuff start to kind of break off. And I was like, okay, this is good, but there needs to be more. Cause I, I know like in the Bible, if you look at healing, there's always action required. The man who had been, you know, laying had to pick up his mat and walk. The woman who'd been bleeding for years had to touch the robe of Jesus. Like there's always action required with healing. So I knew that that healing prayer was a part of the journey. So from there, it was continuing in coaching and counseling and going through deliverance ministry and really letting him take out 
what needed to be gone. Cause there are things that come in generationally that we might not be aware of. There might be strongholds that have crept in that we're not aware of. There might be ways the enemy has crept in that we're not aware of, and we need to, to get those out. <laughs> so that the faith has been a huge part of my journey. And also too, it refined and reminded me that God does care about our health. You know, um, third John one, I believe talks about being in health, just as your soul prospers. Like we know that he wants our soul to prosper, but we, a lot of times I think don't think about him wanting us to be in health and our bodies to prosper, but our bodies are temples of the Holy spirit. We are made in his image. Like it shifts how you view yourself and what the word says when you think about those things, because he's a holistic God. He cares about our body, mind, and soul. It's not just the soul he cares about, but he cares about the whole, whole of us. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, that's when you were talking earlier about the relationship to food and, and that came to mind, like your body is a temple. And when you look at it that way, you want to care for it. And you want to, for me, my challenge is not eating enough Mm -hmm. and that's abusive to my body. So when I Mm -hmm. looked at it, like, okay, I don't care if I eat a piece of fruit or a carrot stick or toast or a sandwich, something, I have got to feed this temple because it's, it's precious, you know? So I love that you said that. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, um, your love for what you do. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. I love the conversation. We could do this for days. <laughs> That's what I, every every guest I've interviewed so far, I think I'm on, you're like number 10. We could keep this conversation going <laughs> for like a whole nother hour. But thank you so much. And can you tell everyone where they can find you, all of your social media platforms, your web, website? Absolutely. My website is free. The number two, the letter B, coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com. From there, you can find some freebies, some resources. My social channels are there. My Facebook is my name, Melissa Rolfs. My Instagram is free to be underscore coaching. I don't remember what my LinkedIn is, but I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you again. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you during our next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Soul Sister Movement podcast. Be sure to visit soulsistermovement.com to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Did you love this episode? Don't forget to subscribe and review our podcast.